Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Scottish Games Network podcast. Well, I say welcome back, it's actually the first episode, so we thought we'd introduce ourselves to start with. I'm Ryan, you might know me from the YouTube channel, but I'll get more into myself later. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, morning folks, I'm Brian. I'm the founder and director of the Scottish Games Network. I'm the one who's been bugging the games industry for the last 16 years on various topics like tell me when your games come out. Let me know more about your company. What the hell sort of qualifications does your university slash college actually produce? So very much the Grandpa Simpson of the industry when it comes to being, you know, old man shakes fist at cloud. Tell me more about what you're doing and just generally give me stuff. So as you can tell, it's I'm now part of a growing team with Ryan and Andrew here who are helping push us, kicking and screaming, obviously, into the 21st century. Yeah, um, well, I'm Andrew and I am part of that growing team. Uh, I don't know about my 21st century credentials, but uh, I'm spending a lot of time writing and interviewing people and basically just trying to promote people and their games as much as possible. There's so much, increasingly I'm finding there's so much good stuff out there that you just don't hear about. So yeah, my main aim is to make sure that we all know what's going on. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? This you know, wonderful stuff. There's a ton of good stuff out there. There's so many clever, creatively and technically talented people producing amazing things um, that if we weren't doing this, nobody would ever hear about. Yeah, no, that's the thing about the Scottish games industry. We, we always have a wee joke about it, how like no one wants to talk about their games, they just want to make them. And it's a lot can, of sometimes. Yeah, we can be a little bit yeah. bloody Scottish sometimes. <laughs> anyway, just a wee bit. we're here to fix that. We're here here to make some big changes and we're here to illuminate and showcase the issues of the week. So, guys, what have we got coming up this week? What has happened in the last seven days that has particularly interested you? Oh, I mean, we definitely need to talk about GameStop, right? That's... That's, that's a given. Yeah, that's definitely going to have to happen. Um, well, the YouTube channel launched, um, which was insane. Like, I'm... Uh, I've been frantically checking um, YouTube Studio on my phone like every five minutes. I'm like, what if something's happened? Like, what if people are hating the videos now and like telling me they're all awful and I'm just like always on edge about it. But it's been really good. I've really been enjoying what we're doing for it. I do feel like I've just neglected my writing duties this week because I've been so worried about the channel. But that'll get back to normal next week. Fingers crossed. Andrew? Andrew, you launched an entire YouTube channel. I've been threatening to do that for five years. Um, and in your third week with the with the team, you did it. So, you know, that's okay. And the subscriptions are going going crazy. It's been yeah, great. They're doing really well. Uh, we cracked 50 uh, yesterday, which is great. I was expecting... I, I set myself at the start of the week. I was like, "I'm going to be, I'm going to be lofty with my ambitions and say by the end of the first week, fifty. That's what I want." And yeah, mm -hmm. we did it yesterday, uh, which is mad. Like so good. So and just wait until this hits the airwaves. Well, it I should mean, be fighting off hordes of admirers. That's virtually. it. Like we're going to be number one on trending <laughs> and millions of subscribers, and we're all going to be rich and be able to retire to gold-plated yachts, as you said. Okay. Do we have to turn into alt-right? Hate, hate figures. I don't think I'm so. Not, part of it, right? I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Nah, I think we're all good. I, I think that's part of the podcast contract that you signed. You have to sell mattresses and you have to have a side channel doing some nasty all right business as well. 
Okay, cool. Well, we'll maybe take that under advisement. We'll wait to the first uh, <laughs> million sub subscribers uh, tune in before we actually do that. Okay, well, listen, let's let's um, recap because it's been a busy, busy week. We've had some amazing titles coming out and it's been a, a, a really sort of active week on the website and across all the social channels. So let's zoom back and uh, just give people a sense of what's been going on this week. So, uh, Ryan, you kick off. What was the, what was the first release this week? Uh, so I think the first release was Solace One to Eight, uh, which Andrew here covered mm. over on That's the right, website. It was Andrew. You see, okay, it's our first show, folks. <laughs> Give us a break. Sorry, Andrew, it was yours, wasn't it? Okay, so tell no, us about Solar. That's quite all right. Yeah, it, it, well, that was on Monday. Uh, it's a strange, strange thing—a game releasing on Monday. I hadn't kind of crossed that so often, but uh, this Monday we we were lucky enough to get Solas One to Eight, which. Um, is a terrific, very unique kind of puzzle game from an Edinburgh-based developer called Amicable, Amicable Animal. Uh, mouthful there. The wonderful um, Tom Mick. And yeah, um, who I've seen kicking around online. If, you, if you're in the kind of Scottish games community, you will see him. He's constantly, he's constantly promoting other people's games. Actually, <laughs> seems to be the thing that he likes to do, which is, which is, uh, you know. A wonderful personality trait to have. He's always kind of like asking people, "What's what's new just now? What should I try?" And then he like put a little post on about it or something. But uh, let's let's promote his game here. Uh, so as I said, it's a it's it's a puzzle game. You're you're kind of bending these streams of light that are traveling through various rooms. Each room is kind of a puzzle in of itself, but also all of these rooms are connected together, and there's maybe some kind of mystery going on about uh, what this puzzle is and why you're doing what you're doing. But um, I won't say any more because I don't know anymore yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have started so last and hopefully I'll find out a little bit more about that. Um, but I spoke to Tom as well and he told me a little bit about the inspirations uh, behind the game and things like that. And we'll have that interview going up sometime in the near future, I think. Yeah, you know, a synthwave infused um, puzzle game which uses one of the simplest mechanics and a really old mechanic going all the way back to the, the days of the home computer revolution where you're just you're bouncing rays of light off, off mirrors but it does it in a such a cool minimalist contemporary way uh, and it's and it's really um, brought together a fantastic small team so uh, Tom and Jamesy who did the soundtrack uh, uh, met back at one of the game jams a few years ago and I've done a, a few little things so this is their first commercial release published through Armour Games and uh, you can find it now out now for PC and Switch and we highly recommend that you do yeah. and the, the Switch version is the one the one that I played and I can say that um, definitely works perfectly on Switch sounds great looks great go See, for you're it just rubbing it in because I, I don't have a Switch yet I need to I need uh, to it's, remedy it's currently that all at I some have. point but yeah, oh, well, I'm not. I'm not. My journey to a switch. My journey to a switch was a long and tiresome one. I um, I decided I couldn't justify just buying it out of my paycheck. And um, before this, I worked at a bar. So over Christmas, every time I came home, I would just empty the change in my pockets that was my tips into a bank, uh, into a banky. And then it was after we moved in August. I was like, I've got some money lying around that I counted it out and I bought a secondhand switch with it. Uh, I'm just taking a moment to think about bars. Oh yeah. Oh, 
Don't you agree? <laughs> they were. I'd, I'd die for a pint right now. I mean, maybe not right now. We're recording at quarter to ten in the morning. That's a bit early. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but it, is Friday. Uh, it is Friday. Well, and, and obviously the thing is, um, since you guys joined the team at the tail end of 2019, we haven't actually met in real life yet. So no, at some haven't. point, there will have to be an official um, Scottish Games Network night out. Oh, yeah. Christmas 2023, so, you know, <laughs> I, we'll, we'll just have to hold on to that. We'll have to hold on to that. So, Solace128 out now, PC and Switch, buy it, you'll love it, we promise. Uh, moving swiftly on, we had another big release this week. Ryan, I believe this was yours. Yes, it was. Uh, this was Monstrum 2, the much-anticipated sequel to the uh, cult horror game Monstrum, released by Team Junkfish, based in Dundee, I believe. The release, uh, the first one came out in about 2015. It saw quite a bit of success around like YouTube Let's Play channels, especially like Markiplier. I think would be the sort of biggest name that played it. Um, it's got a massive following. Uh, they've got their own wiki up, uh, and it really helped when I was researching, um, especially for the first episode of chatting when I spoke about it, finding out like the ship's name and stuff. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go on their wiki, which is it's a really nice community, and this game. It kind of takes what the old, like the last game was, which was kind of roguelike, randomly generated, like horror, where you're trying to escape a ship that's got three monsters roaming around it, and they've kind of implemented that sort of uh, Dead by Daylight, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, the game sort of thing, where instead of the monster being controlled by AI or like the CPU it's controlled by another player and it's you yeah. and three other players trying to work together to escape um, and I think that's like gonna be really cool for like this year specifically or you know if it came out last year it would have worked then too the idea of like co-op games or like just games that you can jump on and play with your mates have become incredibly popular like if you think of the two big that's games cool. that I can think of last year that weren't expected to be big that just came out of nowhere were um fall guys and uh, among us two like these two games like no one was talking about them then all of a sudden everyone was playing them and it was just because you could jump on and just play with your mates and i feel like this is the horror equivalent um and it's just it come out i think it's come out at a better time than dead by daylight and friday the 13th did because everyone's at home so they're not going to socialize any other way well, this is it, you know, it, games, it's funny looking at the, the proper media, the big grown-up media, um, where they're still caught in this whole fantasy world that games are for kids and the, the gamers are, you know, 18 to 35-year-old males in their bedroom, isolated and locked away. And the idea that such a thing as esports exists or that... Um, you know, games can have a positive impact on your mental well-being. Um, you know, Andrew, last week, we'll come to this in a sec, but you wrote a, a fantastic piece about the BBC documentary looking specifically mm. at mental health in gaming. Um, and I'm with you, Ryan. You know, I think Monstrum did a, a fantastic job. It established a really clever premise um, within the horror genre because one of the big things is you can't do jump scares if you're expecting it. So having the procedural generation, having, you know, the, the different monster types gave you a replayability that's all too rare. And then adding in the, the sort of the co-op slash competitive uh, gaming element. So it's an asymmetric, procedurally generated survival horror game. 
Um, and you know, just that sounds so cool on its own. Yeah. And it also happens to be, you know, incredibly well designed, totally atmospheric, and um, shit your pants scary. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to losing hours and like possibly days off my life by the the fear I'm gonna feel in that game. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I played the first Monstrum on the channel last week, and yeah. editing that was um, yeah. was interesting because I had to learn how to beep out myself uh, like I was Gordon Ramsay because I was like, <laughs> I don't think that I can swear on the SGN channel. I better go and edit that. I, I, I think the occasion yeah. slip, um, as, and I apologise to any parents who were listening, um, is, is fine, but we will have to do an after hours one at some point where we can um, get more Scottish, I think. Yes. Uh, <laughs> last week I started watching, I think it was on Netflix, there's a documentary called um, The History of Swearing, and it's Nicolas Cage. I've saw that, and yeah. Nick Cage, he's, he's fantastic in it. Um, and it takes you through the etymology and everything, but it's American, and and it's just all a bit sort of bless. Oh, like oh. they think they're good swearing. Oh. <laughs> they're a bit tame. Oh, you, yeah, it's swearing like yeah. Disney core. Um, and it's like you know you they, they they mentioned you know certain curse words can be used nouns, verbs, adjectives, and so on and so forth. And I'm like, mate, go to Glasgow. You know your microphone is going to melt. I have seen you know some friends. <laughs> You know, from from overseas, utterly perplexed by conversations in Scottish pubs because the curse words are, are you know, the majority of the, the the sentence. It's a comma. It's just a verbal comma. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it, it can be a tick, yeah, syntax. Can be a management can be a pause. Anyway, sorry, that's that's sidelining us. So, Monstrum Two, which let's not forget, won the UK Game of the Show for Gamescom this year. So. You know, that's it officially the best game in the UK for the last year. Sorry, Fall Guys, you know, sorry, everything else, but Monstrum 2 pretty much has the trophy to show for it. Uh, and that's out now on early access on Steam. And uh, we are going to be talking to the team behind Monstrum 2 at some point soon. I just need to track down Paul Leishman, put him in a headlock, and demand that he come on the show. So watch this space. Moving swiftly on. Next up, what did we have? We had, oh, the Queer Games Library. Uh, now, this was one of mine. Um, we had uh, an amazing conversation through the week with uh, a group of students in Glasgow who got in touch proactively. Hey, we didn't have to First go chasing oh, everything. Wow. I know, I know. Um, so a group of students in Glasgow have started something called Queer Me, which is a, an archive or library of games which um, have a... a anything sort of to do with LGBTQ plus or queer perspectives. And they're, they're really trying to gather and, and create a focal point, which will allow players all over the world to really find games which reflect their own particular perspectives and beliefs, experiences, and that kind of thing. And it's something that that's, there've been a few attempts at this in the past, but, but this is a really encouraging sign and the fact that it's coming out from a, a team of students in Glasgow um, I think is is fantastic because inclusion, diversity, equality in the game sector is still a big big issue. You know there are corners of the gaming world which are appalling. You know you guys weren't here when we had the whole uh, Gamergate issue going on but I had three years of, of hell 
you know, I got death threats for saying that we are a welcoming and inclusive place. Um, and some of the, the, the harassment and bullying experienced by, you know, people across the sector for the, the crime of being unrepentantly female. Uh, it was just hideous. So all in favour of more diversity, all in favour of inclusion. The Scottish Games Network was the first Scottish signatory of the, the whole Raise the Game pledge, hashtag Raise the Game, um, from Yuki, um, I think, as far as I'm aware anyway. Uh, and uh, it's an issue that we, we take very seriously. So delighted that it's there and we will be supporting them and writing about them and pointing them towards any games that they don't yet yeah. have. So. Uh, yeah, fair play to Emily and the, the team who put it together. And we're looking forward to, you know, potentially talking to them at some point in the near future as well. Their website is beautiful. Yeah. The art is just stunning. Yeah. <laughs> I really love it. it. So at least go and look at the website. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Um, and uh, you can find all of the stories that we're talking about on the Scottish Games Network, www.scottishgames.net. Um, and just browse through the past week, which brings us bang up to date with today. And we have just published our very first new weekly column called Games Gurus and uh, it was the uh, admirable Andrew who put it together. So Andrew, what's Games Gurus all about? Yeah, so Games Gurus is basically we in the industry, there's things constantly happening, there's constantly issues. This week is a prime example of issues that in the industry that can just come out of nowhere, just blindsides you and you know, we all love uh, given our own opinions on Twitter, but the reality is that there's people um, in, you know, really, really knowledgeable people in this industry who they don't really tend to grandstand on social media and give their opinions out when really those are the people that we should be interested in listening to. So the idea with this column is to kind of gather together those people and get a sort of, I don't know, maybe more authoritative sort of uh opinion on on whatever the issue is uh, at hand so this for this first edition something that's been kind of playing on my mind for for a while now is about the kind of subscription services um as a kind of business model for basically for distributing games so we know we've had we've had netflix and we've had spotify that have completely kind of changed music and and television and things like that and we're starting to see the streaming side or and subscription side come into the game space i think um it's been a kind of a play of waiting for the technology to get to the right kind of place and waiting for people to get used to the that kind of um transaction but the last year i feel like i've just every time i listen to a podcast anytime i've been online I see people talking about Games Pass and PlayStation Now and stuff like that. So clearly these um, services are becoming more popular. And as good a deal as they are for consumers, I always wonder when I hear someone say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll check that game out when it comes out on Games Pass, you know, six months from now. Is that, if lots and lots of people have that mentality, is that hurting the developers, the publishers of that game? Does that mean that they're, you know, they're less likely to get funded for future projects if they're not making that initial, initial bump of money? Or are they reaching a wider audience because of the subscription services? And obviously, I can speculate forever, but the best thing to do is ask people who know 
who have maybe an insider's knowledge, the right? People actually making the games. And and, and this is, you, you have to Absolutely. appreciate how hard this is for me because I have quite strong opinions ab about this um, and about streaming services in, in the music and film sectors. Um, it's another business model, deal with it. Uh, you know, mm. it's not, we've had these arguments before. Um, Pre-owned games, killing the games industry. Home taping is killing music. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm really not. It's a fantastic piece. We pulled in uh, people from across the whole of the, the Scottish game sector. So we've got uh, Doug Hare from Outplay, Mark Lloyd from Devolver Digital, Elena Hogue from Yaldi Games, Danny Parker from Ninja Kiwi, Kristen Rivers from Adding Mo, Derek McNaught from Duality. A whole bunch of people um, giving their opinions, giving their insight as game creators from you know the the smallest startups and, and uh, indie games with with Alina all the way through to the UK's biggest mobile game studio uh, Outplay so well worth checking out you can find it it's been published on the, the Scottish Games Network uh, website today and I've done my best to tag everybody into it when it's spread across social <laughs> try and avoid it I dare you <laughs> So that, <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating range of opinions as well, right? Totally, totally. But that's the thing, you know, and, and at some point we'll do this live and we'll get them, see if we can get them all to fight. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the, the big, big story, the unexpected story that we've not covered on the website, but one that it would be wrong of us not to touch on is, is of course, GameStop. Yeah, it's it's a big one. It really is. Um, it's... Considering that, you know, on Monday, Nobody in the UK had, you know, practically even heard of GameStop, and it's now become one of the trending stories of the week. So, does anyone want to attempt a summary? Uh, I can give a, a dummy's guide, and you guys are definitely going to be more knowledgeable than I'm I am. So glad you said that. Okay. <laughs> so I've been you up guys... since reading about it. Okay, you guys can definitely give more in-depth detail, but essentially, what's happened is GameStop has been going to. Uh, hasn't been looking like they're doing too well over the past 12 months because obviously people can't go in to buy physical copies people can't trade in their copies and they can't oh. sell pre-owned games important to say gamestop is a u.s games retailer oh yeah but it's, it's physical it's stores in malls okay right yes yeah. yeah. so, so they haven't been looking like they're doing too great and so the guys at the like, hedge funds have decided that what they, uh, they were going to do is uh, borrow stocks. So they were going to take stocks and then they're going to sell them to people while they're quite high, like while they're as high as they're going to be, and then wait for those stocks to drop off, buy them back from the people they sold them to, and then give them back to Gamesp uh, GameStop and make a profit. That's the idea. Yeah. yeah, and this is like a standard standard process, oh, yeah. right? Like that's yeah, it's called it's carried, Yeah, you're shorting stock, you're borrowing stock, you're selling it, and then you know you at some point you have to um, give that stock back. And yeah. so normally, what happens? It's sorry, Ryan. I'm oh no, go for it. So so what happened is is hedge funds look for companies where they can short the stock and get it really you know, really cheap, sell it at a higher price, and then they can give the stock back and they keep the difference. And it's how they make money. Um, unfortunately, what happened was a whole bunch of people on um, uh, Reddit decided they would all get together and they would buy and buy and buy and push the stock price up and up and up. And so if you've shorted stock based on a company failing and their stock going down and the stock goes up massively, you then have to return the stock and you might have to pay a huge amount more 
which is exactly what's been happening all week. Mm. And it's been driven by the media. It's been driven by, um, you know, Elon Musk tweeting GameStonk, which drove things even higher. So GameStop stock has been up and down and up and up and up and up and down and up um, across the whole course of the week. And hedge funds um, have been doubling down and sort of going, actually, no, you don't. We're going to short even more. So at one point, there was more shorted stock than stock existed, which seems like a stupid thing to do. But this is apparently how finance works. I'm glad I work in the games industry and don't actually have to understand anything <laughs> about money. Yeah, um, no. what culture made an, like, a really good video uh, over on their YouTube channel where they kind of explained it in the most basic way. And this is the only reason I understand what's going on is because they made a video about it and they, yeah, they dumbed it down for me, you know. Um, and they described, they mentioned how you don't want to read into it any more than that. Because then once you do, you realise that money isn't actually worth anything. And, you know, like, <laughs> the world doesn't work the way we think it does. And that's just going to make your head explode. So please stop, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's always fun when you can see a, an internet community like Reddit. Um, rather more so than, you know, 4chan or 8chan or any of those cesspits. Um, you know, messing with the system because lol games. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a good long-term thing for, for humanity, but I don't see many people sorry for the, um, for the, uh, you know, the hedge funds. I think a Wait. lot of people see that sort of, yeah, the shorting business model or like, yeah, the sort of shorting sort of idea of trading stock as quite a sort of like vulture kind of move because what you're doing is you're waiting for a company to do badly and then you profit off of people potentially losing their jobs and you know people like not having the money to pay like their mortgage or support their kids or you know and i think that's i think that's where the sort of like almost vigilante justice aspect of this reddit thing comes in where like i think that adds in a, another layer to the story where they were motivated by the idea of these rich guys want to get even richer off of other people's misery. Well, that's yeah. that's capitalism, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, but I think I think, I think it's more is... than that, right? Is the... mm -hmm. Sorry. No, no. Well, I was going to say, I think that there are also catalysts in it, are they not, as well? In the, like yeah. the the shorting is not only it's not only coming in when the misery is there; it's also exacerbating the mis misery, right? They're only making the situation worse. Well, they're profiting off it. This is true. So, yeah. It's become in in the sort of the, the the American mindset. It's it's a bit Robin Hood, and indeed the, the app they were using to um, to do a lot of the, the trading was called Robin Hood, which is now suspended trading. And oh, it's all just a bit, all yeah, just a little. There's talks anyway. of new legislation coming in to stop shorting from even being a thing, to stop this from potentially happening again, and it's well. Let's wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, by the time we do this again next week, we could see lines of crucifixes going down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington or Wall Street um, with hedge fund, hedge fund managers being nailed up. We'll just have to wait and see. Or it could be that Reddit is banned from the internet. It's an interesting place to be. Uh, it's going to go all Mad Max. You heard it here first. <laughs> I've been playing Rage 2 on the Xbox, so I'm well prepared. Oh, you're ready. You're, you, you've you been prepping yourself for this. You knew it was coming. You didn't tell any of us. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it, All I need is a jet-powered car, and it's like some, you know, 
intense automatic um, weaponry and uh, yeah we're there as it is i have a healthy collection of kitchen knives so i guess that'll have to do to start it'll get me you know into the game but i'll have to level up to some projectile weapons at some point soon anyway that's us for the news the news component of the uh, of the show guys so what have we got to look forward to um every week when we close out the show we're going to highlight one game that's made in Scotland and give a very quick summary. And uh, this week, Ryan, you've been uh, you've been talking to some very interesting people. Yeah, so I've been t- uh, speaking to Jock Finlay from uh, Haiku Interactive about his game uh, Dwarg Saga. Now, essentially, if you like Dwarf Fortress, you're going to like this. That's the the broad statement. But it like it's oh, oh we all for, good for anyone who's not. You know, not come across Dwarf Fortress. What are we talking? Right. So, think of, I think Jock in an upcoming project for the channel uh, described the uh, described the game as Sims meets Minecraft. <laughs> um, essentially, you. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go right from the moment you start up the game, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it from there because I feel like that's the best way to tell you exactly how cool it is. The first thing the game asks you to do is close the game and open a personality quiz. <laughs> like, okay. That is mm-hmm. like, I was baffled by this. And right, the short version of the quiz is 120 questions. Um, so don't worry it's if you want- opening to a game. Yes. So if you, um, don't worry, if you uh, want to watch the video on YouTube, you don't have to sit and watch me read 120 questions and go through it. I cut that bit out. Don't worry about it. But it'll give you a personality score. Like, it gives you these sort of, like, five cornerstones of personality. And then mm. it, like, it assigns a number to you. And then you reopen the game and you tell like, tell the game what those numbers were on sliders. Um and this generates your clan. It generates, like, so dwarves are like dwarves. They like to live in caves or in the sides of hills and they like mining uh, and resource gathering. And you you control a clan, you're the clan leader. Um, and depending on your personality, depends on the person, uh, determines the personalities of each individual dwarf. Now this isn't, Wow. this is still sort of in, early development it's still being worked on but essentially when the game's finished this means that uh, like when your dwarves interact with other people from the world or even each other it affects like their personality affects what happens and so their like group dynamic is always going to be different so every time you start a new clan you're going to have a totally different experience of how everything interacts so um like Let's say, I think Jock uh, gave the example of, let's say one of your dwarg are meek, uh, has the meek personality trait. Mm-hmm. If they ask, like, could you get out of the way, they're going to say it in a meek way, and maybe the other person isn't going to listen. That's quite interesting, but then you've also got this whole just deep uh, world building, uh, like, base building mentality as well, like, you're going to... Uh, um, yeah, you're gonna dig a hole in the ground or hollow out a, a hill, and make your dwarg live there. And you can like, you'll be able to make a nice base for them. 
and then take them on adventures and take and their losses become your losses and their victories become your victories as you become more sort of attached to them as you play more it's really interesting and really exciting and can you tell that i'm looking forward to it yeah so you're going to be able to find out more about the game find out more about jock himself next week on the sgn editorial and and youtube channels yeah yes it'll be out on wednesday Mm -hmm. it's all edited ready to go wednesday at three o'clock it should be live we will be looking forward to this we will be looking forward to this quite a lot the other thing that you're going to be finding out about next week is the Playaway Festival. Now, this is a brand new event from our friends at the Tinderbox Collective, who are better known for musical performances, musical events. Um, now, it's going to be virtual, obviously, but this is actually opening up uh, more opportunities for them because they're looking at getting speakers involved from all over the world. And Playaway is going to be looking at games within a different context. You know, so games within music uh, and musical performances, games within theatre, games within healthcare, education, a lot of different areas. So what we would call serious and applied gaming. Um, You may even see your humble editor taking part as uh, the chair of one of the panels. But we're going to be talking about the festival, we'll be partnering with them, uh, we'll be sharing the programme and hopefully we'll be pulling in a lot of the speakers, a lot of the the, the panellists and guests to take part in the new SGN TV channel. So that's all good and uh, you'll find out more about that on the site next week. Andrew, what's coming up on the YouTube channel next week? Um, so, uh, in terms of the YouTube channel, um, we've got a couple of collabs coming up. Uh, first of all, we're going to be speaking to uh, Skelp, the um, eSports association within Scotland. And we're also, yeah, I mentioned earlier, Jock Finlay from Haiku Interactive. We're speaking to him about Dwerg. And then, of course, you can always expect on Fridays, the SGN podcast. Marvellous. So, lots to look forward to. Oh, 100%, yeah, like, um, I'm really excited about, ch- like, I'm, I'm just excited to get chatting off the ground, if I'm honest, like, it's, it's definitely oh, yeah. the show that I want to do more than anything else, like, it's so, uh, I think the best thing about gaming is talking about it, other than obviously playing video games, but, like, talking to other people and sharing your experiences and sharing your opinion is great, and it's, yeah, so much fun, and being able to provide a space like that just to start a conversation and see how it goes is yeah i'm buzzing about it excellent that's what i like to hear buzzing is good unless you're trying to steal from from you know some angry bees uh okay well that brings us to the end of our first show so that's it from the scottish games network podcast week one as always we've been your hosts i've been ryan i've been brian and i've been andrew And we'll see you next week. Take care, folks.